This is episode 127 with Bryant Lavender. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division One swimmer, forever athlete, and your personal performance coach, helping you find your flow. Today, I'm joined by Bryant, a former professional football player turned speaker and now five-time author. We discuss his journey to finding purpose and flow beyond himself, and Bryant really shares his path from growing up in Mississippi to playing at University of South Alabama and professionally. What's really inspiring to me, though, is how Bryant now impacts and inspires those around him just through simple interactions like this one, a theme that he really explores in his latest book, Encounters, which is out now. And I encourage you to go grab a copy. You'll see what I mean from this conversation. So let's dive into it. Welcome, Brian, onto the show. I'm joined today with Brian Lavender, former all-star football player. You got an amazing story, Brian. I'm excited to dive into it, but I'm excited to, one, share the connection that we made last week of my dad is born right down the road from where you're at in Mississippi, which is such a small world. How is everything down there right now? How are you feeling? Man, everything right now is really good. It's really hot down here. Humidity is it's in the heart of the summer. So, you know, you walk outside and you if you don't have a towel, be prepared to sweat. You know, but man, everything is well. Everything is getting back to functional life. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say back to normal because everything is not normal. There is a new normal, but, you know, everything is getting back to picking up and being a little more open and stuff like that with the vaccines. And, you know, you still got people wearing masks. So, you know, want to keep everybody safe. So that's that's the that's the that's the focus. Yeah, man. We keep keep moving forward, which is, you know, a good thing to see. I don't trust me moving to LA. I don't miss the humidity and, and all that of down south. That's for sure. <laughs> right, right. I can understand. I love it, man. Well, let's let's dive into kind of your experience as not just a football player, but as a human. You had shared with me how you got started with this. And I think it's a really powerful moment of just seeing something on TV, but then making the decision of that's what I want to be. Walk us through kind of what was your thought process the first time you kind of discovered I want to be a football player? Well, honestly, I have to give it up to my, my oldest brother, Marcus. He he started playing football and I was like, Mom, I want to do it. And she was like, no, nah, you can't play this year. You're too little. And so I was like, all right, I'll play next year. And then so then I, I would just watch him, you know, wanted to play the position that he played because I watched him play that position. And that was what I knew, basically. And so I would, you know, so that see, so that year, I was eight that year. And um, so I would go to my dad's house. He had the old school football folly tapes and like the, you know, historical tapes, the VHSs back then. Everybody doesn't have that now. But and I would I just pop them in and I would just watch, you know, and then if a, a, a player was on TV, uh, I think it was like Saturday. It was a Saturday and it was Alabama, Michigan playing. And. And I just remember watching, you know, like three or four series and and how good the running backs were. And I was like, Dad, I'm finna do that. And she, he's like, okay. I was like, no, nah, I'm for real, Daddy. I'm about to play on TV, you know. And he said, okay, son. And so, like, he didn't, like, he just said, okay. He didn't push it away, but he just, he, I was like, I was, I was so demanding with my statement that he had to accept it. And so from that point on, I kind of was like, okay, that's what I want to do. I had no idea how I was going to play on TV. Didn't even know if I would have the opportunity to play on TV. But I made up in my mind at eight years old that, that I was going to play. And, and so that's kind of how that, that happened. I just saw it and I wanted it. And I, and I started working towards it. Yeah, I think what's really important there is that was a moment, obviously, pivotal in your life that sparked that intention and that desire. But two, you just highlighted at the end, you started to take steps towards it. 
and actually making it happen. What was that journey like? And I know there's plenty of ups and downs throughout that, but long story short, you end up making it happen. It just Mm -hmm. didn't look like you originally thought it was going to happen. How did that start? And then how did it evolve throughout your career? Well, it started, I started to just watch, like I said, I started, I watched the the tapes first, you know, like film study, Mm -hmm. essentially. And then a couple of years later, another pivotal moment is when my dad was murdered. That actually jolted another increase of desire, another increase of of drive to do that because I made a promise in his, when he was in his casket that I would push it all the way to the NFL, you know, that I would, I was going to make it. And so with that happening on purpose, put myself in positions to be successful. You know, I, I made sacrifices. Do I want to go work out or do I want to go party? You know what I'm saying? Do I want to go work out or do I want to go hang out with my friends? Granted, I had to have a balance You because ha- you have to have a balance. But most of the time, 90, 90, 90 to 95% of the time, I went to go work out because that was something that I really wanted to do. And it, the goal, the thing is, hey, you got to put in the work. You got to put in the work. If you're not ready, then you won't, you won't be ready. You won't be ready when it happens. So I wanted to be ready because I never knew when that moment was going to happen. So that, that was the journey. And then that's kind of the mindset I had. I I just, it was easy for me to to pick football over anything because that was something that, uh, that was precious to, to me. It was precious to my mom. It was precious to my, to my dad. Uh, My dad was my coach after the game and my mom was my biggest cheerleader. Um, There was times where we would be getting destroyed and my mom will come up in the stands and she started yelling and we scored two touchdowns back to back you know she just brought that energy that we as young kids you know we needed at that time yeah I like too, to your point there the balance is key it's easy to get lost in always choosing the grind yeah. but to an extent I think you need that almost hyper focus towards the one thing because that's what's needed to get to the level that you got to. Obviously, it's one thing to wish for it, but it's another thing to actually go out and work for it. And yeah. I think your story is a testament to like, all right, we're 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 working for it. How did you really navigate that loss of your father and understanding doubling down on working for it rather than letting that be a moment that said, you know what? all right, like maybe there's a different plan at play here. Like how did you double down on the work? I didn't want to be a statistic. African-Americans, you know, at the time I looked, it was, you know, 75 to 77% of African-American males that lose their father between the ages of 13 to 17, they go to jail. I, I didn't want to be a statistic. Um, that that was literally like one of the main foundational reasons. I didn't want to be a statistic and I didn't know how I was not going to be a statistic. I just knew I didn't want to be. So anything that looked like it could help me be successful in the positive way, that's what I did. When it came to football and 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 just being becoming a young man, uh, when I, I just I, I prayed. I'm a Christian, so I, I prayed and I asked God to place people into my life. And he he fulfilled that prayer. You know, a pastor came into my life when I was 16, my coach came into my life. The one I still connect to now came into my life when I was 16 as well. But on the, I, like from six, from 13 to 16, cause my dad passed away when I was 13, I had to self-govern myself. My mom, she pushed us. She, she was very strict. So we didn't, we couldn't do a lot of stuff, but she was still fun. So she, she helped us keep the balance, but also, Hey, go to work. You know, my mom actually got me a personal trainer, um, 
right, right. I think right before my dad passed away and his, his name was Jesse Campbell. And he actually ended up being my high school defensive back coach. It's really weird, but he was, he was cool. My mama, you know, she made us do things on purpose to, to expose us. And I think a lot of times we as culture, we, we don't expose our children enough to certain things, but my mom was one to expose us so we can see how it's done or what could be done to be in that position. So it, it that's kind of how it, I doubled down. You know, I was, I was, I grew in my faith. I committed my life to, to Jesus Christ. And then I, I on purpose made decisions to be in better. And my mom was a backing and a pushing to, to that point. Yeah, man. I absolutely love that. I think not a, to your point there as a society, as a culture, not enough of us are okay with dabbling outside of our comfort zone, trying new things. But it's in those moments that we learn way more about ourselves than if we were to stay kind of in, in our bubble, you know, so to speak, right. over and over again. I love that approach. So talk to me about kind of what was the recruiting process like starting to play at that next level going to college. I know we shared kind no, of our, our cool, similar yeah. stories of actual college <laughs> athletics. Yeah. Okay. So going into my junior year, I had my junior year, the fall, I had no offers going into, so my, my head coach actually after that year, Marcus Wood, he, he left East Mississippi. So I don't know if you know that the last chance you like that, that show, he was, he was the offensive coordinator there and coach Stevens was there. And so he, they were like actually the first team to offer me a scholarship to go play Juco ball. But I, I like I said, I made a promise to my dad that I, I was going D1, you know? And so anything that I, I, I didn't like, of course, yeah, you could, you, I could have still went D1, but I, I wanted to go D1 straight out of high school, you know? Yeah. And um, there was anything that I could do to, put myself in that position. That's what I was going to do. And so, man, that was happening. He off, they offered me a scholarship. And then coach Campbell at Mississippi Gulf coast, he offered me a scholarship too. But like at that time they had made monster players going. I was like, what do I have that y'all don't already have? What can I bring? You know? And you know, they, he tried to sell me, but I was like, I don't know. So I, all those, I had those in my pockets. I didn't even as a, as me personally, as one of my goals, I didn't even look at those as offers because that wasn't what I wanted. You know, if push comes to shove, if I had to go, yes, I would have went, but I wanted to see what I had. So I actually got a call from a referee that had watched me from elementary all the way up through middle school and high school and said that, Hey, you need to go to South Alabama. They have a camp that you can go to, you know? And I was like, what? A camp? It was like, yeah, this is a brand new program. They'd never had football before. So if you make it, you'll be a part of the first team. So I called my coach, Howard McNeil, the one I prayed for. I prayed and, and he took me, he took me there and I was supposed to get a haircut that day. At that time, haircuts was $10. So I saved my $10 and I looked at how much the camp was and it was $10. So I, I, I sacrificed the haircut and pay the $10 to go into the camp. And that was probably one of the biggest seeds I've ever sown into my own life uh, was, was $10. Because at the camp, Coach McNeil actually knew one of the coaches. And so, but he didn't tell him nothing. He was like, just just watch him play. Just watch him, you know? Because one thing about Coach McNeil, he he didn't, when it comes to that point, he don't play favoritism. Like, you 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 better do what I coach you to do or you're you going to embarrass me, you know? So that was one thing, don't embarrass me. So, man, I, I I went to the camp and I did really well. And before I left, they told me to meet them at the 50 and they offered me a full athletic scholarship. And to, yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. crazy? $10 can turn into that? Right. <laughs> right. Thank God you didn't sacrifice for the fresh cut, man. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Isn't it funny looking back on those things? It's like, man, the decisions yep. we make, they could be so minor in in the moment, but they can turn into to be these these huge life changing moments. And it's it's funny to see the parallels. Like I first offers that I had come in were more D three level and similar. Mm-hmm. To you, it was like, no, nope, the vision is D1. Like, right. I'm not so, you know, just because the, the first thing that comes in doesn't mean it's the only thing that's going to come in. Like, I'm going to keep doubling down on my process. And I know what got me to this point is going to get me to where I want to go. I might just have to double down, work a little harder, you know, have one or two bigger moments, meets, camps. It didn't matter what it may be. So I'm glad it panned out for you, man. Me too. <laughs> I love it. And then talk. So while you're there, you're part of this new program, you're helping build them up. And within that had its own ups and downs. Yeah, man. Okay. So uh, first year, bigger, faster, stronger, you know, new program, everything was brand new. We were in a 10 million dollar facility. They they had, they made us call it the football complex, but it was, you know, we just say a field house cause we, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, but, you know, we, we we were in the football complex. You know, we had, oh, man, it was amazing. You know what I'm saying? But to be honest with you, the first summer, like, we went, I graduated high school May 20th. I was at South May 26th. And at that moment, they didn't have, they didn't have the complex finished. So we worked in the science lab back in the day, like back in the like 50s and 60s. They used to test monkeys, you know what I'm saying, do testing on monkeys. If you were an animal lover, I'm sorry, but that's just what I was told, you know, whatever. So we called it the monkey lab. No no pun intended. Like, intended. It was just, that's what we had. And so our air conditioner was like the garage doors. You know, we were like, we used to, we were grinding, you know, and that was tough. And so I, I get through my, you know, my freshman year, we go in the fall camp and I look at the depth, well, I look at the depth chart and I'm at the bottom of the depth chart. You know, there was a lot of receivers there and you're, you're going to laugh at this. Um, so my number ended up being number eight. Right. So when I looked on the depth chart, I was number eight on the depth chart. Like, how crazy is that? Biblically, you know, it's a new beginning. And I was like, man, I want to be that low at the bottom, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so that happened. So, you know, I, I, I worked my way up, tried to try to get up. But I just, you know, there, there was something that I was missing, you know, uh, whether it be. I was smooth. I don't. I really don't know. I can't tell you what it was. Like I just knew that I worked hard. I did everything I could to 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 get noticed. To you know to prove myself that I was able to to be there. And I actually was on trial for the summer. And then I didn't know if I was gonna get pulled up because initially when they gave me a scholarship, they changed it from a regular scholarship to like gray shirt instead of a red shirt. And that was like when it first came out, and I was like, what is that? You know? And the coach was like, well, it's where you come in, you sign with this class, but you don't come in to the next class. I was like, nah, coach, I can't do that. Is there anything that I could do to make y- y'all know that I'm for real? He said, well, you can come, you know, the sessions of the summertime and and, and see if you can earn your scholarship for uh, the fall. Mm. Yeah, I'm there. Not knowing that I put myself in a fight that they could have cut me right then and there and say they didn't want me. But I was like, nah, I'm gone. I'm out. I couldn't stay, you know? So, you know, I didn't know I was, I was working so hard and training so hard. Everybody was like, why you go so hard? I was like, y'all don't understand. Like I'm getting, I'm getting evaluated right now, you know? So at the end of the summer, I got the call and said that they pulled me up, that I got it, which is ironic because one of my teammates, shout out to Jeremy Jones, he actually was on regular scholarship, but he tore his meniscus his senior year of high, of school. So he was like, be lad, will you switch with me? And I was like, 
So what you, what you do with what? He said, well, they, you know, Coach Damian Craigs, he he had told, he said, Coach Craig told me that you was on gray shirt and I, I kind of want to switch because I want my knee to rest for a year and I'll just take your gray shirt. And I was like, yeah, if you want to, cool. But in my mind, like as a competitor, like, bro, you ain't got to lie to me, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because you know how some things come into contact and you like, oh, okay, that's going to work out. And then it don't work out. So I was just like, I didn't want to get my hopes up. But uh, it ended up working out. Like I, I earned, they, they thought I was good enough to come in the fall and, and, and we, and we came in, I came in and everything was cool. And so my freshman year, I thought I did, I thought I did really good. I thought I made really great strides. So I come back home during Christmas break and, and I asked my coach and my coach was like, Hey, how you doing? I said, I'm good. And I was just like, he said, no, are you good? I was like, well, what they say, you know? And so he ended up telling me that I wasn't the athlete that they thought they signed, you know? Mm-hmm. So from that point on the, re- I, I, I remember that statement the rest of the time that I was there. And then my sophomore year, I ended up being the second leading receiver. My red shirt junior year, I ended up being the leading receiver. And then my red shirt, oh, my red shirt freshman year, I was second leading. Sophomore year, leading. Red shirt junior year, I I went back to second. Then my last year there, being able to play, you know, we got some transfers in that came in. They were really good. And like, I just kind of got pushed to the side a little bit. And I was like, wait a minute. This is not how this is supposed to go, you know, and, you know, it's coaching or whatever. And and so I, I was like really mad because I was like, did I do something wrong? Like, do y'all not think I'm good enough? Of course, we had a couple of coaching changes that happened in the course of that time of five years. And it was just like I, I did everything I was supposed to do, you know, and and I was learning that even though you do everything you're supposed to do, you, you show up on time, you make plays, everything is not going to go the way that you expect it to go. You know, and so they ended up putting up uh, a guy in front of me who who was really phenomenal. He was the he was the better deep ball catcher than I was. You know, he he transferred in from Alabama. He was a great guy, great great teammate. I didn't, you know, what I'm saying I just I ended up saying, okay, God, whatever you need me to do, I'll be that for my team. You know, and so I actually ended up didn't get a chance to play for real until like the fourth game, which was in Tennessee at the University of Tennessee on ESPN. And I ended up the game with four catches and 55 yards. And so I'm thinking, okay, everything's good. I'm finna, you know, I'm finna roll. Let's go. You know, that's that's what I, okay. But it just didn't, it just didn't end up like, I I think I ended up being at close to the, like the bottom of the receiver, you know, as far as yards and stuff like that. I was a captain, you know, I got the senior award. So my number changed from from eight to five uh, because one of our teammates passed away. God rest his soul, Anthony Mostella. I uh, love you, Mo. And so everybody that got the senior award got number five. And that exemplified everything that you needed to be to be a Jaguar. And so it was just, it was tough because, you know, I had put all this into it, you know, it didn't end it. it my, my career at South didn't end how I wanted it to end. But I don't regret it because it made me the man I am today. Yeah, there's so much beauty in that journey. Because you learn, like, it's so much more than what the stat sheet is going to say. Which is also very, very frustrating to hear in the moment. You know what I mean? Because you're like, when you're at that level and your eyes are obviously then on the league or, you know, playing beyond you almost need the stats to just get the attention of the right people to then see, okay, well, what does he bring beyond the stat sheet? Like, how can he actually help us out in all these other areas? So it's like that weird double-edged sword of like, yeah. how do I disconnect from the outcome being like, yeah, we would all want to go out and have 10 catches, a hundred yards, two touchdowns every single week. Yeah. yeah. But how can I make an impact and roll? within the team beyond the numbers. How did you find that and like get okay with 
not putting up the numbers or was that not the case? Because I know personally. That oh, was- how did I deal with that? I was frustrated. I actually stopped speaking for like three weeks. Like, mm-hmm. and no, like none of my coaches knew why, but it was like trying me trying to deal with like what was going on. You know what I mean? You know, they came and asked, is everything okay at home? I was like, yeah, I, I used to, I answered this very politically. I said, everything outside of football is great. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, there was nothing else I could say. Cause like I knew, I learned a long time ago, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't, don't say nothing at all. You know? And at that time I could not display my frustration in the proper way. So I just, that's what I just said. And so, like I said, I was quiet for like three weeks. I didn't say anything at practice. I didn't, I was always at practice. I didn't, I didn't show an attitude. I didn't get mad. Like I just, I was frustrated and I needed to, needed to deal with that. And I guess it just, I just came to the point and I was just like, you know what, forget this. Like I'm going to finish it out. Whether the coaches think I'm good enough to do it or not, put my best foot forward because at the end of the day, the goal is to get to the league. And I was like, after this, I have a pro day. If I run fast, I'll get some looks. You know what I mean? And and so I just kind of just let it go. You know, I, I let I let go and I let God handle everything that needed to be handled. I turned into a third down, the third down receiver. You know, I, they made sure that I was in on third down. I, I had a lot of conversions on third down. My my money, my money route. If if, if it was third down and five, they're gonna they're gonna throw lab the slant. If it's third and ten, I'm running a dig. You know, maybe a post, maybe a Titan, which is a new form, which is the newer form of the the traditional uh, comeback. But, you know, that those were the things. And I and I and I made my money on those downs, so to speak, you know, and I was OK with that. I, I was like, OK, I'm just going to do the, I'm going to do this the best way I can do this. Mm. And I did. And so I finished the season. I was you know, it wasn't the, like I said, it, I, I was I wasn't excited about it, but I was on film. I played on special teams. I did everything I needed. Like I said, I put myself in the best position I possibly could have to be successful. I was about to say, it's, it's a challenge when you come from those successes because then your ego almost takes a little bit of hit when yeah. it's like, oh man, like it's not, that's not the, the go-to name on first and second down. But ironically, the third down role is probably bigger than those first two. You know what I mean? Because like you're gonna help help out the team when they need it the most. They're in a pinch. It's like and exactly doesn't exactly. convert. Doesn't convert. You can't win games if you're not converting on third down. Yeah, that's awesome. You talk too about running running fast on pro day. You weren't just fast, man. That's next level speed. You, you touched on there. It's, what was that process like? Preparing for that moment in the sense of kind of like your whole future. Like the t- trajectory of your future is riding on your performance at one single day over the course of a couple different, you know, events within the day. What was, how did you handle that mental pressure and that anxiety around? Like, I was excited. I was ready. I prepared. I had been working for this my whole life. I had visions of me running my 40 before I got to running my 40. And I ain't talking about it in college. I'm talking about when I was a little kid because I knew back then. 40 bench press, three L cone, you know, and shuttle. Like I knew that, you know what I mean? And so I was ready. I was excited. Shout out to my strength and conditioning team, which was Joey Sharon, Justin Swin, Jerry Parsh. Like they were phenomenal. You know, Coach Swin, he he wrote the program 
for us. Coach Sharon, he was an ab guru. And Coach Parsh was a sprint mechanic coach. My God, phenomenal team. Like, they did amazing. Like, don't get me wrong, we had a couple of people that came in, like Derek Keys, who's actually, he coaches with the Minnesota Vikings as strength and conditioning coach. Um, we had, you know, a lot of people come through, you know, but but like those are the three that, that stayed the whole time I was there and that worked with me on those specific things. And man, just preparing for it was amazing. Like I knew that I was going to run fast. I knew that I was going to jump high. My bench press, I was little, I was, I wasn't worried, but I knew it was going to be either it had to be an on day or an off day for whatever the reason. I would be strong, super strong one day and like the next day would just be weak. So it just had to fall on one of the good days. You know what I mean? And going into it, I jumped high, 41 inch vertical. I only had four reps on my, um, on my, uh, (laughs) on my bench press, but I was, I was stronger than I had ever been. And so then I said, oh, it's time to go outside. I hit my chest. I said, field work, let's go. Cause I had, I was ready. Like I, if I don't do nothing else, if I didn't do anything else, I did field. I ran, I ran routes and I caught the football and I, you know, and you practice, you know, you practice running, you know, so I, I'm getting my stuff to put in my bag. My head coach comes up to me and he says, he says, Brian, what you think you're going to run in the 40? I said, I'm going to run a 4-4 coach. And he says, 4-4-9. And I was like, no, I'm going to run faster than that. He was like, Four, four, eight. I was like, no, I'm going to run faster than that too, coach. I just kind of laughed at him and pulled my bag on. I was just like, wow, still not the athlete they thought they signed, huh? You know what I'm saying? I just, and I just, you know, that just stayed, that because that, that stayed in my mind. And so I walked up to the field and Coach Parsh was there. He said, you ready? I said, yeah. He said, all right, remember what you got to do to warm up. So I did my warm up and I was ready. So I ran my first one, boom. My little brother, I call him my little brother. His name, uh, TJ Glover. He was like, bro, you ran a four, three, seven. I was like, what? What? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, uh-uh. I was like, what? No. I, I mean, it felt good, but like, 437? Because our, our laser was broke, so they did hand time. I was like, uh-uh. So I looked at Coach Parsh. I was like, Coach Parsh, what I get? He just threw me He just threw me the, the clock. Anytime the coach throw you a clock, it's either really good or really bad. And it, and it said 43. And he had clock 439. So I was like, okay, so it, okay, cool, whatever. All right. So then I ran again, and I ran a 440. And officially, they gave me a 445 because they had to add the, the milliseconds because of the, the laser. And I was happy with that, you know? I was happy with that. And the Seahawk scout, Jim Nagy, stopped me. He said, Bryant, come here. And I was like, okay. He said, what What were your numbers? I'm going to go watch film after we get done. I was like, I'm I'm eight from my my freshman year to my junior year. My last year, I was five. And I said, I said, Mr. Nagy, I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't the, the number one receiver, but I, I did catch a lot of balls on third down. And he said, that's great. The game was won by third down. So he wrote all that down. And so he was like, good luck. And so, you know, that was that. And so I'm training, you know, for my pro day because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm after that, I'm like, wow. And so I I, I looked at my numbers from like, because they have a, a draft pool that you can go online and you can see like where you rank out of the top uh, receivers and stuff. So it was 325 receivers in my class that year, 2014. And I at the time before my pro day, I was 300. But a couple of days, I checked it like a couple of days later and after everybody's pro day went, I went from 300 to 129. And I was like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? I was like, yes. You know what I mean? So that I was like, okay, bet, you know, so I'm, I'm in the top percentile now, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm in the top 50, 150, you know, I'm in the top half, you know? And so, so I'm waiting on, pro, on my pro day. And so a week before the draft, I get a call from the Miami Dolphins and they ask me all these questions, you know, where'd you go to school? I need your elementary and your middle school. Did you, you know, how were you as a kid? Uh, what's your social security number? You know, I got to do a background check. All, you know, all that stuff. Like they were really detailed. And he said, uh, he said, 
Brian, I just want to call you, let you know you're on our board. Good luck on draft day. And I was like, what? In my mind, I was going to Miami. Like I was going to Miami, you know what I'm saying? So that was, that just, just blew my mind. I was like, all I could say was, I thought I wasn't the after they thought they signed, but I was actually getting noticed. And so, so that whole process went by draft day come. Um, I didn't get drafted. And so I was actually trying to sign with an agent. The agent ended up falling through. He was like, they, no, none of the scouts knew who I was, but they just said what they said and they called me and all that stuff. And man, couldn't sign with an agent. So I went unsigned, I went undrafted and I didn't get a, I didn't get to sign a free agent deal. So then I went and I went to a free agent camp, uh, like for a, a Canadian, the CFL and uh, arena. And, um, you know, I got opportunity with the Tampa Bay Storm. And that was when my professional career started. Um, I played with the Storm. I was on the practice squad for the first year. And then the second year, I actually signed with uh, a different team. Uh, the Central Florida Jaguars played there. And then uh, I went back to the Storm to see if I could get on. But I didn't. Like, they didn't. They didn't. They never activated me there. So I, I just I played with them for like two, two, well, one and a half years, really, um, on the practice squad. And then I got opportunity to play in 2017 with uh or 2018 with the uh Raleigh with the Triangle Torch in Raleigh North Carolina so um after that year I retired um but in the midst of all of that I published three three books at that time so I was I was rolling so to say I mean the on the field stuff aside you're just spitting out book after book man I love it you haven't even stopped which you know we'll get to in a second here I love hearing the ups and downs because it's a testament one to you. And I I just want to acknowledge you for a second. The fact that like it is your story, but you have given credit to every single person that has played a role in your story up until this point, man. And I think it's just a, a testament to who you are as a person. I think it's so cool to hear that you're like, even the guy who was just helping me with, you know, route running mechanics or running expert mechanics to have the 40 that I had, but you're giving him a shout out. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I didn't do it by myself. You know, people think, oh, I did all this by myself. Nah, there's somebody that took a chance on you, brother. And taking, you know, just just somebody took a chance on you. Shoot. Before you even got here, your mama had to get with your daddy. (laughs) You know what I mean? So everything that you are planning to do and want to do, if it is a part of your purpose, God will bring people in your life that will will use their money, their power, and their influence to put you exactly where you need to be for your purpose that he has for you. And once I really grasp that, it's easy to give give thanks because, uh, you know, they didn't have to. They could have told, they could have said, I'm going to go with somebody else. Don't get me wrong. I did get a lot of no's and I did get a lot of, oh, we're going to go with somebody else's. But the people that did say, hey, no. I'm going to listen to this, that the spirit and say, okay, come on. You, you, I want you here. You know, even if you weren't at your best, you know, even if you had a bad day, they still like, nah, I, I know your potential. I can see it. Come on. You know, and you don't do it by yourself. Like somebody had to give you a chance. Somebody had to think that much of you to invest, to, to say your name or to put you in a room or your name in a room that you would otherwise would never be get to be in. Yeah. I mean, sometimes what we need is that, that chance, you know, to, to get out and really show up and, and show out who we are as people. Uh, what was that pivot like for you after this was all said and done playing wise? I know obviously the books were coming out, speaking engagements. 
but how did you personally deal with kind of wrapping your head around, all right, I'm more than an athlete now. I'm, I'm going to be more than a football player and I'm going to pay it forward. Or what was that, that part of your journey like? I'm a realist. I've always been a realist. I knew that I wouldn't play football for the rest of my life. And I knew I wanted to get out when I could still walk and play because I, I want to have children, you know? Mm. So I knew that end was coming. The transition in, 18, in 2018, when I stopped playing, it was easy. It was easy to stop because I was like, I'm 28. You know, I was able to play professional football. Did I get to top level that I wanted to get to? No. However, I got paid to play. I was able to do things and see things and, and meet people that I would have never been able to meet had I not played football. Just the character of people and, and the type of people. Yeah, they're always out there, but like those particular people, like like the Julius Gregory's, you know, the the Carl Johnsons, you know, Philip Barnett's, you know, Lawrence Samuels. I wouldn't have been able to meet Derek Brooks. I wouldn't have been able to meet Tony Dungy. You know, I wouldn't be able to catch the ball from Brett Favre, you know, and when he was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Like it was just those certain things that I wouldn't have been able to do. Just, oh, you know, so the transition was fine. It was, it was, it was really smooth because I had knew, okay, God, like I had prayed about it. You know, I had peace. And so with the peace, I always tell people to go with the grace. So the grace of that door, I understood was closing for good. Mm. But just because that door is closed doesn't mean that I don't have any more doors. God's going to open more doors for me to, to do certain things and, and still be a light and encourage people and, and to bring, you know, positivity to people and, and, and let them see who, who I am, you know, for me. And I love it. Let's say we tend to focus so much on that door closing that we're missing that four new ones just opened up in front of us because that one closed. Right. Right. And, you know, it, it's, it's imperative that we see the doors that that are opening, you know, that will open when that door closes, you know. But, you know, I was I was OK with retirement. I was OK with stop playing. Like I look at it now. I'm like, man, I'm so glad I don't have to work out that hard. You know, I'm so you know, for real, like I'm yeah. so glad I don't have to work not to, you know, to protect myself. I can work out to, to just, you know, look good and feel functional and, and be functionally strong, which you do the same thing in sports. But it's different because the intensity, the the level of, of focus that you have to have, you know, like when you're working out and training and somebody try to come talk to you, you're really not trying to talk to them because you, you, you got hey, I need to work out. I need you to stop talking to me right now and do this. But now I can have the opportunity, you know, well, let me tell you about my man, JC, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Let me tell you why. You know, it's just the opportunity to be able to speak life into somebody. You know, as as far as when it comes to football, everything was like, oh, you play football. So all you got to tell me is stuff about football. No, now I can tell you what football taught me in my life that helped me in the regular lifestyle. You know, just like you when you, you know, you you swim, you know, now you, you are able to transfer that into real life, like regular life, I guess you could say, and and, and show people how to to deal with adversity, to show people how to, to deal with things that don't go your way. When you went, when you did everything that you were supposed to do and you was number one, you was the number one person to get picked up and they said no to you. Yeah. Because it happened. Yeah. And I think that is kind of one of the most valuable lessons we could ever learn, right? Is what do you do? How do you respond when you're given that adversity, when you're given that feedback, whatever it may be, how do you implement it? to move forward rather than stay stuck where you're at or worse regress. Cause we never want to regret regress as athletes. Right. Right. Correct. 
I want to ask you the, the fast five. We'll go. We'll go rapid fire here. One yeah. sentence, one word answers to kind of just start wrapping things up here. But the first one is, what's your go-to podcast that you're jamming out to? My go-to podcast. To be honest with you, I read a lot, mm. so it would it would be the books like that I I read. What's funny? That's the next question: is what's the best book you've read in the past year? The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. That's probably like my... I'll have to check it out. Number three is, what is a quote that you live by? Nothing is ever as bad as it seems, and nothing is ever as good as it seems. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. Number four, go ahead. No, I was going to say Coach Ronald Antoine told me that one, my receiver coach at South. I love it. Number four is, what's one thing you can't live without? I'm going to have to say Jesus Christ, like... I'm going to have to say Jesus Christ. I got. He I had a to. feeling that's where you're going to lean with it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Number five, last one is what's your one word focus at this point in time? It's really work. Always work. is, man. I love work. it. The grind doesn't stop. Brian, I want to just acknowledge you again. The way you show up, man, you got an aura and energy about you. So just want to acknowledge you. You're doing some awesome stuff. I love your journey. I love your story. Obviously, it's not over, but I appreciate you sharing the highlights, the lows along the way. Where can those listening in keep up with more of your story? I know you got a zillion books out, working on another one coming out, but where can they keep up with all things, Brian? All right. So all social platforms, Brian Lavender, that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And also, you can also go to my website, which is bryantlavender.com. And also, if my books are you can you can go to my books on my on my website also they're on amazon and um and they are on audible so uh once you uh you go on and you type my name in bryant lavender uh books they should pop up and you'll see all four of the books or yeah four all four books <laughs> i had to think about it for a second pop up and the last two are on audible the other two are not but the last two are but from here on out that everyone will be I love it, man. We'll have them all linked below. Again, appreciate the time. Yeah. Hopefully you're staying dry down south. Things cool off here a little bit for you soon. With a little bit of rain. <laughs> with a little bit of rain. That's all we need. Appreciate you taking the time to listen today. Share this with a friend, family member, or teammate, as you never know what this kind of conversation could spark in your life. Go pick up a copy of Brian's latest book. And remember, if you can change your mindset, you can change your life. One thought followed by one action at a time. Flow on, my friends, and I will see you all on Monday on setting up your life playbook for success.